Welcome to the She Read, She Said podcast, where we read and discuss books about women written by women. We're your hosts, Megan and Kate. So sit back, settle in, and let the pages come to life. Welcome to the She Read, She Said podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Kate. And today we are talking about... Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. I am so excited to talk about this book. Yes. I mean, if you are on Book Talk, there's no escaping this book. This book is everywhere, which is how I knew about it. It's how I know about 99% of the books I read nowadays because you just have people recommending things left and right. You get people you trust. So this came highly recommended by Book Talk. It has one of like the highest ratings on Goodreads. And so we thought, yes, this is for us. Fantasy, romance, dragons. What else could Kate and Megan possibly desire from a book? There's nothing else to desire from a book (laughs) than everything you just said. So before we get started, for anyone who's listening to this episode who hasn't read the book and is maybe just kind of tuning in to see if, if this book is for them, I will say I had so much fun reading this book. I just had the time of my life. However, if you are a reader who loves a more traditional fantasy setting, this may or may not be for you. This is a very easily palatable fantasy book, yeah. I would say. It's more accessible. That's exactly what Rebecca Yaros intended the book to be. So I'd say she definitely like hit the nail on the head there. Is that the saying? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I'm like, there's a nail in a coffin. I sh- we shouldn't be nailing people's heads. But she hit the nail on the head there. And sh- this was just a bucket of fun, however. Again, if you just really like a typical high fantasy, really deep immersion into all the complexities that come with high fantasy, this just might not be for you. Fast paced. There's lots of romance in it. Mm -hmm. For me, this is the kind of romance that I like because there's other things going on. So this is what I was saying in our Happy Place episode where I'm not the biggest traditional romance like contemporary romance contemporary romance contemporary romance is there's no stakes we're in fantasy romance there's so many stakes so many stakes which i think it just makes it a little bit easier because in contemporary romance i see how people could be like just get together what's your problem that's me yeah that's me reading it's like okay just say say the things out loud what you're thinking say it out loud just have a conversation you guys are fine but in this world you could get murdered at any point people try to murder her frequently in this book Poor little Violet. <laughs> Just kidding. Not poor Violet at all. No. Violet not is at all. not someone to be pitied at all in this book. Everyone looks at her because she has these issues, her health issues in her ligaments. And Dane is very worried about her ligaments and her dying. But as we come to see, and I think as we see just from the beginning, she's not someone you need to worry about. No. She's an intelligent woman. She's been training to be in the scribes. And then her mom, you know, I think it's six months before her writer's day introduction tells her that she's going to be a dragon writer. With all that, that's a huge change. And she really just takes it in stride. She uses her brain. She has an advantage because she's smart, which Mm -hmm. we love intelligent ladies. Love intelligent women. I mean, should we maybe start off and just give like a brief overview of what this world is? So this world takes place at a military college. So there's the different quadrants. So there's the scribes and they're the people that are recording history. There's the healers, which... Obviously, they heal. They heal, amongst other things, other healing interests, I'm sure. The people they're healing are those in the infantry and then 
the Dragon Riders. So if you are joining this war college, you are going to be in one of the four categories going in, which in any book like this is always fun because you can't help but try to see which group you would put yourself in. I mean, which group would you put yourself in? If you had a choice, no parental leanings pushing you one way or another. I tried to be really realistic about this. Because I think we all just want to be like, we'd be dragon riders. Anyone who reads this book is like, I want to be a dragon rider. That's the thing. I wouldn't want to be in the infantry. No. No, no. As someone who has a little bit of a healing background, there's a natural tendency to think maybe I would want to be a healer. Mm -hmm. As someone who is a writer and who loves to read, you have the scribes. But that being said, I think if I was there, I would be pulled to the dragons. I think it would be really difficult to not want to go bond with those animals. Yeah, I think my thing is... I wouldn't want to be a part of the scribes because they don't talk. They sign. They have sign language. It's very Benny Jesuit. And I love that they don't really explain it in the book. I think we'll get there because this is just book one. I think we'll get a lot into that because that's the life Violet's leaving behind. But again, we don't start the book with Violet as a scribe and then she gets pulled. We're just starting. Yeah. She Her world's already been kind of knocked upside down and now she's just entering it, you know, formally now. So I think we'll get into the scribe stuff, but the scribes don't talk. I am not interested in leading a speechless life. When you've grown up saying whatever comes into your head. the people doing the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, I think the healer would be the safe thing. To me, it just kind of depends on like what your family does. Because also, if you have a lot of family, I think there would be a resistance to entering Mm -hmm. the dragon life. Because as we learn, like half of them are... You die. You die. Your chances of making it aren't that good. I think they say that 15% usually die on the parapet. If you enter the dragon portion, the dragon quadrant, mm-hmm. there are different stages. It's a three-year program mm-hmm. before you allegedly officially graduate. It's you graduate and then you're and on you're, the front lines. Yeah, you're on the front lines. So the first year, and that's obviously what Violet is going in, is it 15%? I think they say 15% on the parapet. die on the parapet. So the parapet is the first challenge going through. 15% are supposed to die there. And then with each challenge or task that comes up, it's there's probably another There's 15%. another percentage thrown out. So by the end of the three years, let alone the first year. And then some people are just dying during practice, like the mat practice. Mm-hmm. People, you can kill each other in certain spaces. So then there's also just people dying because it's a harsh world. This book, in so many ways, reminded me of Ender's Game meets Divergent, meets Hunger Games, meets maybe Shadow and Bone a little bit, and then, of course, any dragon-related story. The writers, they are dauntless, which it's nice because she comes from the scribes that she has such a different energy from all of them. (laughs) Like They're all really intense, and she's like, I'm going to use my brain, and I'm going to poison people so that I can win fights, which a girl after my own heart. I loved that. That was like one of my favorite things she did the entire book because I felt like I resonated with that. I would, in this world, I would play dirty. Like when you know. You have to play dirty because everyone is playing dirty. They're trying to kill her all the time. They're trying to kill her all the time. She has nepo baby written on her forehead (laughs) and they're they're just perceiving her as something that she is not however Mm -hmm. that just puts a big fat target on her back so just she's on the parapet an 18 inch wide piece of cement like stone that's acting as a bridge 
I, <laughs> when people are just falling off <laughs> left and right, I like kind of found that funny. However, I will say, I feel like I would survive the parapet because mm-hmm. you and I have been hiking in Scotland and in Iceland enough that I would know like the whole rubber sold shoes thing. I was kind of like, yes, yeah. obviously. But we've been hiking in conditions where it's raining, it's muddy, yep. you're on slippery rock that I would have definitely been prepared with the rubber-soled shoes and the wind. If mm-hmm. anyone's ever been hiking in Scotland specifically, in the Highlands... Gust of wind. That wind can take you off. You can lean into the wind and it holds you up. I, I know how to position my body with the wind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd survive it if Jack was there and he tried to push me off because there's just not so much I can do about that. You mean Jack Barlow, psycho serial killer? Psychopath. <laughs> Psychopath extraordinaire. He's so good at being psychotic. He's so good. He's giving Cato vibes. <laughs> but I feel like I can make it across the parapet just because of that. Just because I feel like I'd have the knowledge of mm-hmm. just how to move in my body with the wind and the small space. Yeah, I think I would also survive that. And I... I have larger than average feet, which just gives me more balance. Great balance. You know, it's annoying in every other circumstance, but I feel like in this one, it would really come in handy. Your feet would have less space on the parapet, but they would be doing their job. Yeah. I (laughs) I would be staying up. Every challenge is weeding out the quote unquote weak people. And they say that it also mimics what the back of a dragon would be like. So Mm -hmm. balancing on that and Violet comes into a situation in the climax of the book where she has to essentially do that on her dragon. Yeah. But yeah, it's to (laughs) weed out the weak. And let me tell you, she starts approaching the parapet with the other cadets and she meets Rhiannon who goes on to be her friend who I really really love she also makes another friend she also makes another and friend he dies on the bear but do you want to know why I knew he was not gonna make it because he was friendly because he was friendly and because he was engaged because he was engaged and because his name was Dylan yeah I'm sorry there's nothing wrong with the name Dylan but if you're named Dylan in a fantasy world you're gone he was so sweet and he yeah. held that ring and he was gonna go back to his fiance. In three years time and get married and then he falls off. But this is something I really like about the story is that it's set in a harsh world and people actually die. Yeah. Because a lot of times fantasy just always is a harsh world. While people usually die, a lot of times it's people that you kind of don't know that well, Mm -hmm. which some of those people definitely die in the book. But I like that. Like, oh, Dylan. And it's like, oh, Oh, Dylan. Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Yeah, that was, that was sad. But when she approaches the parapet, she meets someone that's very integral to our story. It's Zayden Ryerson or Rearson. And trigger warning right now, I don't know how to pronounce anything in this book. This is a call to <laughs> anyone in the publishing world working in the fantasy section in the fantasy department. You need to be putting pronunciation guides in these books because most fantasy is using words from either Gaelic or Gallic or other languages that are not English. No. And therefore are pronounced differently. So I'm so sorry if I'm just butchering everything. You've been warned. Look, it is all good fun when you are reading a book, when your eyes are ingesting the Mm. words and the names. It's another thing completely when you have to get on a podcast or have a conversation, but especially on a podcast where it's recorded, I can't take it back. I can't 
take back my mispronunciation yeah. of whatever's going to come. So you've been warned. So sorry. My bad. So I think I read it Zayden Rearson because that's just how my brain works. But it's written like it would say Ryerson. So maybe it's just Ryerson. Or Rorson. How about we just say Zayden? Her sister, before she goes, is like, do not engage with him. (laughs) Avoid him at all costs. You have one rule you have to follow. It is avoid Zayden. And of course, she just meets him like three seconds yeah, later. I was going to say, and look who it is. And do you know just what made me die? She looks at him and she thinks he is the most exquisite man I have ever seen. And immediately you're like, this is her man. Even if you had no concept of, you know, what's going on in the story, that line, whenever the he's the most beautiful man, he's the most exquisite man. Whenever you see that, it's like, there's no other love interest now. No, if you spend that much time describing the size and admiration of a man's arms, yeah, Violet really loves the way he looks. That I mean, was something. So that was something that just made me cackle throughout the book. Is every time she sees him, like every time, mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh, he's annoying, but God, is he hot?" Yeah, she, there's a point where she hates him. She, she hates, hates him, but she's him like, so "But I want to sleep with him. I want to climb him like a tree." <laughs> She tells him that. She is so honest and it's just it's hilarious yeah. to be in an inner dialogue where immediately she's like, God, he's hot. It's very God, I hate him, but I want to kiss him. Mira, Violet's sister, also tells her to go find Dane Atos or Atos, if you will, who is her childhood friend. She's known him forever because he is the second year he is a leader there so potentially she could be under his command and she knows that he will look out for her sister so that's what Violet does after she meets Zayden survives psychotic Jack trying to murder her on the parapet she gets to the other side she's reunited with Dane and in your first year you're not allowed to write home or have any communication with people that you know so she hasn't spoken to him in a year when they reunite you start understanding that there's a little something more than friends yeah brewing under the surface but for the moment i just want to say the immediate irony of like avoid zayden find dane it's like finding dane is the biggest mistake (laughs) she will ever make in her life (laughs) dane like in Mean Girls, when Regina goes in her burn book and like, this is a skink. Like she's writing like, that's what I want to do to Dane. <laughs> like, do not trust him. <laughs> I started out really liking Dane at the beginning. I don't really want to preface that by saying at the beginning. Because she is really drawn to him. Like she's really attracted to him. And you can yeah. feel it. It's in her inner dialogue. At the beginning, Dane knows that Violet has not been training for this for her whole life. And because she's at a little bit of a disadvantage. Well, they grew up playing together and he's seen her get hurt. So I I know that uh, Violet was written with a very specific condition in mind. And I can't remember the name of the condition right now. Her issues with her ligaments. And she just gets hurt a lot because she has more delicate tissue, Mm -hmm. all that. And so he's been with her when she's, you know, broken the bones, all that. So he's been a witness to it. So I think at first... You read it and you're like, you're being a little intense, but you understand it when, you know, this is someone you love. This mm-hmm. was not her plan for her life. And he's been through the year. He knows yeah. He knows how brutal it gets where for Violet, if someone hits her, it's going to hit harder than the normal person. Yeah. So he works really, really hard to try to get her 
out of the Dragon Rider yeah. program and he knows and that into she, the scribes. Yeah, that she wanted to be a scribe. It wasn't like she always dreamed of being a Dragon Rider, but she couldn't. She very much in the past, what when he knew her, wanted to be the scribe. So he's thinking, you know, I'll get her out of here keep her safe, get her to where she wants. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, no, my mom's just going to drag me back. And I think it's already kind of planted that I'm here now and she's not one. She doesn't have a loud in your face courage or stubbornness, but it's definitely there. Like she's not someone that needs to be like, no, Mm -hmm. this is something I have to do. But she's already feeling it and she's very resolute in it all the same. It's a little bit quieter. She's not She's just not an in-your-face character, which I really like. A lot until of times, pushed. Until pushed. But a lot of times, you know, female leads in these worlds, they're just very feisty and sassy. And she definitely has her wit. But mm-hmm. it's just sometimes you're like, okay, you need to calm down. So Violet is very even in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so Dane is just very, like, one-track mind. He needs to get her out. <laughs> and again, at the beginning, you understand it. As soon as she says no... He needs to let it go. Here's the thing, too, is if you're looking at it from a purely logical perspective, the fact that her mother will pull her out and put her back in, which will make her more of a target. Like, that's humiliating. Yeah. That will make it seem to the others like she can't cut it. And she keeps trying to remind Dane, even in the the first little bit that she sees him, she was one of the percentage that made it across the parapet. Yeah. Like she did better. And she pulled a knife on Jack's balls. She did. So it's not even like she just ran away. It's like she turned around and she stood her ground. Like she's very brave right from the start. Yeah. She has that little fire in her that is going to keep her going. Yeah. And so, again, because Violet has feelings for Dane for the beginning. Gross. (laughs) Um, There is, at least for me reading it, I liked him. But then... When he didn't change the tune, yeah, and you start learning just how much Dane yeah. loves the rules. I wrote a note that Dane is a combination of Edward Cullen, Tamlin, and Gale from the Hunger yes. Games. And I threw Edward in there. I think it's very obvious why he would be Tamlin and Gale mixed together. But I threw Edward in there because if you've ever seen Parks and Rec, the episode where <laughs> the man comes into Leslie's office and chains himself to um, her chair so that he'll put Twilight in the time in, capsule. In the time capsule, he is talking to Tom and he's like, Edward's number one priority at all times is keeping Bella safe. That is Dane. Like he has no other personality no. trait. Other than protecting Violet. Like, that's all he is. That's all he exists to be. I hate him. He is on my Dunzo list. Yeah. Like, he reaches a point where it gets annoying really, really quick. It's annoying, like, the second time. And then there comes a moment where you learn that all the dragon riders have a signet power. So, Mm -hmm. basically, dragons channel their magic into their writers it's kind of like it's kind of like avatar in a way where it's a specific bond the writer doesn't survive without the dragon and oftentimes vice versa depending on the dragon depending on the bond but your signet power is specific to you it has nothing to do with your dragon it manifests dependent on depending on the writer everyone is very very different and you learn that dane's signet power is he can see recent memory if he touches the person there is a scene it's zayden versus dane as is much of this book (laughs) (laughs) even though there's no actual competition no there's not dane gets very upset 
that an accusation is made against another squad leader, so- someone else yeah. in his position that he that he has a history has with a, history a romantic with. history with who tries to kill Violet, and so it becomes Zayden versus Dane, but also his past lover versus Violet, and he's not believing Violet that she tried to kill her. Nope. And he reaches for her to get her memories to prove it. Without permission. Without permission. Dunzo. And they talk about it later. And he's like, oh, I didn't ask. And you're thinking maybe he feels a little bit remorseful. But then no, we get to the end and we'll talk about <laughs> the ending later. But you notice if, you re- if you're paying attention in the book, he touches her a lot. Yeah. And I don't think she's registering no. what's happening or that like... It's like, I think it's implied that he could touch her without pulling the memories. It's not like mm-hmm. one of those magic powers that if you touch anyone, it's it can happen It's not Rogue from any- X-Men. Like, you yeah. have control over it. Yeah. And so because he touched her a lot before, he's touching her a lot now. Stop touching. So he's collecting God knows what. And we find out what he's collecting. We find out what he's been collecting. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Denzo. I want to talk about the gauntlet. I want to preface this by saying I have a very active imagination when I read. I see a movie. I see things very clearly. However, when it came to the gauntlet, I could not for the life of me picture what it was. And all I could think about first was boomers, like the play place of boomers and how there's the levels that you'd go through. And then it morphed into like American Ninja Warrior. There was a lot of American Ninja Warrior for me, but on the side of a cliff yeah i just couldn't my mind couldn't wrap around the concept of it's like there's monkey bars at one point and spinning and spinning things, things and like the buoys that you jump onto that you do see on american ninja warrior mm-hmm. but this is also a fantasy world so i'm like what is that made of how is this in a mountain metal like yeah probably i just don't i couldn't and i gave up like i just <laughs> i was like i know what's going on so i I just don't even need to imagine it i'm just gonna trust what's happening going back to the question of where would we die the gauntlet i am terrible at monkey bars even as a kid i could not do more than three rings of monkey bars i have no idea what's wrong with my body but i just never was able to do it i think i have small hands for my height it might just be like my hand size to weight ratio that just it doesn't work like they're all getting to like the high levels and then they die like they fall mm-hmm. off once they've made it past like four or five rounds I'm like i'm dead at the monkey bars well the easiest one that's where i die a sad death happens yeah on the gauntlet a rally is someone like most everyone else there who's trained for mm-hmm. this her entire life. So I really... It runs in the family. It runs in the families because she talks about, yeah. like, her dad used to run me through this. She is dauntless. She is she's dauntless. She's excited about the danger. And she's behind Violet. And they're almost to the end. It's this high moment. And then a dragon flies overhead. And you know it distracts her for half a second. For a blink. Yeah. She slips and falls to her death. Yeah. Right behind her. Yeah. And like, this is what this book is. It just adds so much stake to what's going on. I I think my favorite death, not necessarily due to like the character that died, like it, this isn't that kind of thing. I just found the deaths by the dragons where they're walking in the field, like they're presenting themselves. I thought that was hilarious. It's so funny. So after <laughs> it's like, okay, so you get through the gauntlet 
you are taken to where the dragons are. And they're all sitting there. They're so cute. All a hundred and one dragons because now there's baby gold dragon that's joined. They're all in a line. And I imagine them kind of like kindergartners when they're like walking from point A to point B, like where they have their little rope. I know they don't have a rope, but that's what's going on. And they're just talking. They're like, oh, so what are your weekend plans? They're like, oh, how's your nephew? And like, oh, this dragon's stupid. Like they're being dumb kids. (laughs) Because the leaders tell them, they say, okay, you're going to go in as a as a squad group. Now, spread out seven feet, because if the dragons don't like you, they will just burn you alive. Yes. So you want to leave space. They tell them, <laughs> just talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, just chit-chat. Because it will help the dragon get a better sense of who you are. And I swear to God, some of the things that these people talk about, yeah. like they're idiotic. They go in and they show the worst of themselves they're insulting the dragons i know they're like this stupid little gold one and obviously the gold ones knew i'm like the gold one's important Mm -hmm. obviously and so when prior dies because he's mr indecision he can't make a decision to save his life so he's unworthy he dies because he's leading the line and he turns to the girl behind him and says well maybe we should walk faster or i can walk slower (laughs) bye bye That was my fire sound. (laughs) (laughs) Dead fire. And then at the end of the chapter, Luca, who this is just like a snotty girl that's gotten moved to their section. She is just being snotty like Mm -hmm. Luca always is. And the dragons don't like that. So she gets taken out. So those are my favorite deaths just because I thought they were hilarious. Yeah. Like the idea of like full grown adults just walking in a field and having a conversation and like dragons listening to their little everyday chit chat and being like, no, I don't like that at all. Mm -mm. That was hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I would make it through the presentation. I don't know as far as once we get to the threshing, which is getting your dragon, and then if you get a dragon, let alone, you know, getting on the dragon, having the seat when we were in Iceland, when we were doing our Icelandic pony ride, my pony took off. It must have been spooked by something. And my feet came out of the stirrups and I almost fell off. I thought Kate was going to die. I only didn't fall off because I think my grip on the pommel Mm -hmm. was so like my hands were gripping so hard. Mind you, that was a six hour Icelandic pony ride through the middle of Iceland where it's very cold. And I did stay on, but I'm not confident that if I got on a dragon, that my seat would be solid enough to stay on it. If I had Violet Saddle, I'd I'd be golden. We'd all be golden. I mean, I also just want to say this was a lovely horseback riding experience. It was like once in a Pony lifetime riding experience, the Icelandic <laughs> pony trekking experience. Where we went through marshlands and beaches, you hit yeah. every terrain. At some point, we're in the water where, like, the water's touching the horse's belly. Where yeah. if you take once, like, if the horse has a misstep, you can potentially fall in this ice cold water. It's funny now because we survived it, but I watched Kate almost die, and then I almost died because we went through a field, and I was the last person in the group. Yeah, and there was a stallion. And I watched this happen. So it was really nice that the stallion charged my horse and I saw my own life flash before my eyes because that was horrifying. So it was really nice to have a day where we both watched each other almost die. Yeah. My pony was an asshole, though. My (laughs) pony like was all day was an asshole. So I'm not confident that I would stay on the dragon. And I think for most people, I think even if you have a good seat, like when you're in the air flying, I just don't think most people would. If I did, it would be because I have an iron grip for like five days after our pony ride. My hands were so sore, like my fingers could barely bend because I had grip so tight. So if I did, it would be purely by hand strength. 
See, it's all in the inner thigh. I know. You know, and I, I have lots of practice it. with that, like growing up riding horses. I think as long as you get that, because you should be able to ride a horse yeah. bareback, if you can nail that, I'm not saying riding a dragon would be easy, but people do it. So I feel like people in a made up world, people in a made up world do it. Okay. There, I mean, there was one person that fell to their death after getting their dragon. Yeah. But this gets to my favorite part, which is Violet in the clearing with her golden dragon, who we come to find out her name is Andarna. <laughs> dragon or kitty cat? She has paws. <laughs> I like wanted to paws. cry when she's like, she looks to the dragon because Jack, Tynan, and Oren, Oren they are going to go after the golden dragon because she's tiny and it's the oh she's the weak link so we have to kill her they're just sick could you be any more of a caricature of like toxic masculinity you have the opportunity to go bond with a freaking dragon like i have to go kill something go get your dragon violet knows that this is happening she goes to protect it and she's trying to get it to fly away and she looks at it and i think she says something like can't you use your claws and then she looks and it doesn't have claws and then she's like oh it has paws we later find out that it's because she's a baby she's not just like a small dragon she's a baby and so violet is fighting off three men to protect andarna which is just like makes me want to sob Zayden, Papa Zayden, Papa Zayden, and he can't interfere, but he's kind of helping, like saying, "Look out!" Whatever he's trying to intimidate them. Well, I think Zayden's not alone. Zayden's not alone. Zayden has his dragon scale. Scale. I think I said scale with a G, mm-hmm. like Gale, like Gale with an S. Yeah. <laughs> Scale, scale with a G or Gale with an S. <laughs> with Scale, who is one of the biggest dragons there. She's really intimidating. I mean, she's one of the fiercest, most vicious dragons. Yeah. There's a reason she chose Zayden. Yeah. Tynan gets some nice dragon fire death. Yes, he does. And then we have who we come to find out is named Tarn. Tarn? I watched a girl on TikTok who speaks Scottish Gaelic, and she was saying it's pronounced like Tarn. In her Gallic lilt. In my head, I pronounced it like she did. But now that I'm speaking it, of course, I can't say it. Yeah. Um, so I, I read it as Tarn. And so he comes in. He's beautifully black scaled. He's bigger than scale. He's the one that Jack wanted when they were talking about it in Professor Kaori's class. In that scene, I literally wrote in my notes. I was like, well, that's the one Violet's getting. That's Violet's dragon. That's Violet's dragon. It made me question it for a second when we saw the golden one because it was little. And I was like, maybe it's going to be one of those things where they think this dragon, it's like a a reflection of Violet that everyone's not taking it seriously. And then it ends up being really fierce. Like there's another book series I've read with dragons where there's that kind of dynamic which i just love Mm -hmm. and so the golden dragon did make me question it for a second and of course they both end up being violets and so i love when tarn comes in and just takes care of business it made me cackle when he looks at her and he says you're bleeding stop it (laughs) (laughs) he is the sass queen of basquiat it made me laugh i wrote it down when you start to learn more about the connection so they telepathically communicate to each other And she pretty much off the bat is a little weirded out and gets a little annoyed because he's always in her head. And he just says, you'll never be alone again. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's just so funny. I mean, he's really old or he's not really, really old. I think they say he's like middle aged. Mm -hmm. He's older. He's more mature. He's Scales' mate. Here's the thing about this book that I wrote down. I wonder if this actually isn't a romance between Violet and Zayden, if Endgame, this is really just the love story of Tarn and Scale. 
I would read that book if it was just about them. I mean, they're hilarious. They are. And everything revolves around them because the humans in this universe don't command the dragons. The dragons pick. And so you start to learn that the mated pairs, which are really rare, can't be allegedly can't be separated from each other. For more than a couple of days. Which means Violet and Zayden can no longer be apart, even if they want to. Which also means, on top of that, if the dragon dies, the rider dies, the rider dies, the dragon dies, that not only is Violet connected to her dragon, she's also connected to Zayden. So you have four living beings. That if one dies, that if one dies it's pretty much like screwed. It's not guaranteed that if Zayden died, then Scale would die. It's not guaranteed. It's very likely. But pretty much, like if any one of these four people die, then potentially the other three die, which I don't know how anyone's getting any sleep. I don't think Zayden does sleep the second he meets <laughs> Violet, to be fair. I think he's very on edge and he's probably an anxiety queen inside. And then to up the dragon communication, Zayden can also speak to Violet telepathically. Yeah. And then she learns how to speak back to him. So she has a dragon, a hot man, and then scale. Well, and she has Andarna. And Andarna. So actually five. All in her brain. There's five people in this relationship, actually. It's very loud in there. It's very loud. Andarna's pretty quiet, but... She meows and she says sweet, (laughs) encouraging things. She's like, I want to (laughs) come. And they're like, stay put. And she's like, I want to help. And she does help and she gets her powers. That's the first power that Violet experiences is Andarna... And her little baby powers can channel the power of stopping time to Violet, which is how she survives one of her attacks. I think that is such a fun power. Like, that's like the useful one. Yeah, that's a really fun power. The only downside with that one is that whenever Violet uses it, it severely drains Andarna. The power usage in this story comes to a point where riders can die and their dragons can die if they use too much. They can literally burn themselves out. So Andarna has this power, but it's very limited. Violet's not going to be touching it. And so she's waiting patiently for her power to come in from Tarn because all of her friends are getting their powers. Rhiannon gets the power of... It's like she can call items to mm-hmm. her. I forget what that power is called. Zayden, he has the power of shadows. He obviously got that a so while cool. ago. Even though I do want to say that initially, and I had to push this out of my mind, I did picture it the way that, is it Alex in Twilight? Alec. Alec. In the movie Twilight, his horrible shadow things. That I freaking hate that. I think I have a little bit of a hard time imagining shadows. I've read a lot of other fantasy where there's like shadow powers. Mm-hmm. And I think I always have a little bit of a hard time imagining it. But the concept is hot. So yeah. perfectly fits Zayden. She's waiting for her powers to come in. She doesn't want to touch Andarna's. It finally does when they're in this game, which is essentially capture the flag. It's capture the egg. She is watching Jack. God damn it, Jack. (laughs) comes back to Jack. (laughs) Watching Jack trying to kill Liam. Liam is the sweetest angel that ever sat on a dragon. He has been tasked to watch Violet because Zayden just can't be with her all the time so he's her shadow Mm -hmm. and they develop a friendship and it's so so sweet and she just gets this burst of rage because she's watching Jack just being this like animal he is he literally gets a sword hops off his dragon Mm -hmm. and runs it through Liam Violet the powerful goddess that she is that's when her power surges and she has the power of lightning and with a lightning bolt she like decimates the whole 
little mountain that their little capture the egg is on and Jack along with it. And I will say, I just kind of wish that he had a hand-to-hand death Mm -hmm. by her. That was one thing. I think that was badass to go down with her powers. And that's like accumulation of she's been called weak by him, all this stuff. And here she has this power that is arguably the most useful in a military setting because she has a power that can destroy things from far away. You don't need hand-to-hand combat. On one level, that's really good. The sick part of me, though, just wishes that she would have like strangled him or like stabbed him with her bare hands. I mean, she almost gets him with the orange juice on the (laughs) Matt. (laughs) I'm not going to lie, though. I was a little surprised that she killed him because I feel like oftentimes in books, authors do the I almost got you because that happens Mm -hmm. earlier when Violet has been obviously poisoning people because she can see the schedule ahead of time. So she sets it up to where they're weaker on the mat. Jack is allergic to oranges. So it'd be a shame if some orange juice slipped in and he's like trying to kill her, of course. So she slips it in and he's out for like five days. fighting on the mat, which is hilarious. But he already had his close call. So I think... But just like in terms of obviously this is a series that... There's bigger villains though than Jack. But I like that he went out. So I was excited to see like oh thank god because i was a little fearful that he was going to be a guy that he's Mm -hmm. he's like the cockroach he just can't kill him and he pops up in the most annoying circumstances the fact that a dragon picked him even i mean he's vicious i get it but also he's the worst yeah the absolute worst and he's a danger to the group in general so that's just a massive liability he has no sense of loyalty and when it comes down to it in these group dynamics they always in these like fantasy worlds they value the viciousness but the Mm -hmm. reality of being in a military like situation is you have to trust each other jack is someone who the only people who are in his little group which is tynan and Orin, are the other sickos like there's no sense of team building like anything together sickos got a sick (laughs) (laughs) and like i was so happy for him to go i did not share violet's guilt about him dying i understand that she had never killed someone i whenever i read books like this i'm like kill him he's annoying he's we don't need him. He's going to kill other people. So He's going to kill your friends. I know that's like moral relativism, but I would have killed him the second I could because first of all, he's trying to kill you mm-hmm. and he's trying to kill your friends and he's just a menace to society. We just don't need jacks like that in the world. We don't. And that so being I'm sorry, said, Violet, for your inner turmoil. <laughs> that means you're a better person than I. I mean, I agree because he needed to go. I really did like the use, though, of her killing someone for the first time when she got her power like yeah. i i liked that dynamic of she's been wanting this for so long yeah. and the setup to that i thought was really really well done and bye bye jack bye bye bitch thank god the world is a better place without you so bye bye oh so question for you okay since we've been talking about some dragons mm-hmm. here it's time to go find your dragon Mm-hmm. What color would you want? This is so hard. I think I'm always naturally attracted to, like with animals, like if we're choosing a horse or something, it's like the black or the white, like mm-hmm. things that are just on that scale. I don't usually go for the like uber colorful. And I know these dragons are really colorful. So I think a black one, even if it's small, like I wouldn't really care about the size. <laughs> size does not <laughs> matter here. Um, <laughs> I think I would want a black one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just appealing to me. It always looks intimidating. 
However, if I knew that there was a gold one, I think I would just stick to the white, black, or if there was like chrome, <laughs> like silver, gold, <laughs> rose, rose gold, gold. I think I'd go for those ones. If I had to choose a color, though, I don't know, I kind of like the blue. And I'm like, in mm-hmm. the sky, maybe that would blend in a little bit more. I think I would be thinking tactically. Like, if you have a green one and it's in the sky, it would blend in, but maybe not if it's lower on the ground. So maybe the green one then. I would not choose the red one because... She says the leaves are red in the fall, so maybe it'd blend in there. But I think I'd be thinking tactically like that. But I always just like kind of a simple black, white. I think she gets the best ones. Mm-hmm. I think gold and black are the best ones, which obviously she's the protagonist. So she's going to get the best one. Yeah. And that scene with the class when, when they bring up the black dragon, the first thing I thought was, well, that's my dragon. Yeah. I would definitely go for the black dragon. I know it's not in the book, but if there was like a white dragon, maybe with yeah. some silver, yeah, I would also go for that one. For me, I want. I mean, black I think dragon. we'd all just want Tarn. I'd also want Scale, though. Yeah, I really love her. I mean, you really want your dragon to be so loyal, like unflinchingly yeah. loyal. The fiercer, the better. Yeah. Um, there was a quote that I actually really, really liked because I just really feel like women everywhere can relate to this on some level. Violet is fighting. She's been injured. Like she's bleeding. She's got cuts. She's been, you know, run through in parts of her body. She's like, my kneecap is probably displaced. Like she's got like limbs, different places. (laughs) (laughs) And whoever she's fighting is looking at her like, you're already injured. So back down. And she says, I'm used to functioning in pain, asshole. Are you? And I feel like, women like that just gave me chills (laughs) women know how to function in discomfort Mm -hmm. and do what we're expected to do every day to live in a man's world while dealing with the pains of of being being a a woman woman. (laughs) let alone doing something strenuous Mm -hmm. or beyond the norm and i read that and i was like oh god that's so good honorably yeah like she's not just not like oh i'm fighting because i'm just trying to murder you for the sake of murdering you it's like she's always doing things to keep herself alive keep her friends alive keep endarna yeah (laughs) i think that was a really wonderful piece of her having this disability Mm -hmm. is that she just really reflects all of the struggles of being a woman, of having a disability, of being the odd man out on like a lot of different ways, but mm-hmm. showing the strength that comes through with that. And it's really easy to look at people in those situations and say you are at a disadvantage and not think about the fact that there are advantages to all these things. Like, for example, she is so smart. And because she's in a position where her body might not be as technically strong as someone like Jack, she uses her brain to outsmart people. Yeah. And that's a greater weapon than your body. You know, anyone will tell you that. Her being tiny, she uses that to her advantage of being quick, Mm -hmm. of being, you know, she's up in the tree, she's being secretive. It's all these things that when you are in a world where people are telling you you're at a disadvantage. You have to get scrappy with what you do have. Boy, she has a lot to work with and she she is so smart about using it. And I think it's really admirable. And I love that she does represent women who are in a position of having disabilities. And again, just being a woman, I mean, Mm -hmm. imagine doing that on your period. Are you kidding me? It's like (laughs) you're cramping. And I know people, women have, there's a range of pain that comes with just that time of the month, let alone like other things. Have you experienced a luteal phase? I'm so tired the last two two weeks of my cycle. Are you kidding me? 
Like, I don't want to be on the mat trying to not have my neck broken during my luteal phase. Are you kidding me? But we do it. Like, women mm-hmm. are operating in a man's world and they're doing it with the extra burdens that come along with the pain of being a woman, let alone Violet's dealing with the pain of having this ligament disorder, this tissue disorder. And go her. Also, something that I love about the book is that they really emphasize the idea that nature loves balance. Mm-hmm. So while she may not be the embodiment of what they think a warrior body type would be, yeah. her brain more than makes up for any of that. And I love what Zayden tells her at some point. He's very, very sensitive to the fact that Dane babies her. Dane only focuses on what he views to be a weakness. She tells Zayden that she's struggling with the gauntlet in this one specific thing that she has to do is like she's too short it's because of her height yeah, yeah that she can't run up and reach the top of it to pull herself up and he kind of <laughs> he kind of tells her like get over it yeah. stop focusing on what you can't do focus on like what you need to do focus on how to not die essentially if you think that this is going to kill you then find a way for it to not kill you yeah find a way he never tells her and i I really love Zayden. It's the big difference between Dane and Zayden. It's like the scale of like toxic masculinity versus that like divine, like high vibe masculinity Mm -hmm. is Dane protects her because he thinks that she can't do it herself. Where Zayden, of course, he's protecting her, but he's giving her the tools to protect herself. Like he has Imogen helping her work out so she can have like muscle and like protect her body. All of these things that he gives her the tools and he gives her the space. That's the difference. It's not about someone not caring or not feeling that urgency to protect someone but people are allowed to make their own choices and he lets her do that with dane it's like you're worried about her well she's here so help her well then he's not so worried about her at the end is he because we find out that he's been touching her face all along and he's been passing off information that's you know, condemning Zayden and his little secretive business where he's supplying weapons to the Griffin writers who were told all throughout the book, they're the enemy. They're the ones that are... So why the Dragon College exists is why we have this military is because there's this conflict between the kingdoms. The Griffin writers want our resources and they just, they don't want peace. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, that's a lie. Yeah. Anytime where it's like, we're right and they're wrong. And it's like, I read that. I'm like, the I mean, opposite is true. You have that. And then you also have the mention of, is it pronounced Venon? I said Venon. Venon. They're like evil wizards, essentially. Yeah, they're wizards. <laughs> that have, they've seeped like magic from the land. They've done it in a way that it's it's going against the idea of nature balancing. It's like they're disregarding natural Mm -hmm. law to suck up magic. That's why the barons exist, because they've been sucking magic from the land. And her dad had this book of fables that has the stories about the venom and the wyvern. And you see that and you're like, okay, well, these things are obviously real. But also (laughs) the fact that she's in the archives and it's like, what do you mean there's not a copy of a book that mentions these things? There's no mention of these things in any of the scrolls. I'm like, the scrolls? Yeah, the whatever they have. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when you find out that the fables have these stories and her dad left this letter where it's like, it only takes a generation to erase history. And it's like, well, okay, we know that the Venon are here. I don't think I knew exactly where that was going or even if we were going to touch on it in this book mm-hmm. because this is a series that's apparently applauded for five books. But of course, I'm, I'm clocking that away. They go on their little war games towards the end, choosing to stay and battle these venom, which it's a test to those marked kids of 
are you like your parents or are you one of us? And of course, mm-hmm. all of them choose to say because we're not going to let innocent people they're die. Good people. They're good people. We're not going to let people die. And there's only four Ven in there. And just four is doing a lot of damage. So you're getting a taste of how infinitely powerful they are. You find out that they're in that position where they're being put to this test because Dane has been touching Violet, taking those memories, passing it off to Daddy Ados, and he's betrayed her. And it's no surprise. It's giving Gale from (laughs) Hunger Games. Eventually, Violet has that awakening of, oh, I feel like Zayden lied to me about who he is. She's very quick to come around and think, yeah, I believe you that you know, you're not aiding the enemy in the way that I thought. This is actually we've been lied to. All this stuff. She's very quick to come around, which I think that's pretty realistic. Like if you're presented and you're like, my dad wrote me this letter and like this is all making sense. My mom had the knife. Like all of that's adding up. But she is very mad at Zayden <laughs> for not telling her. And this was one of those moments where I'm like, I get it from just plot and how books work. Mm-hmm. And I knew that this was going to be the situation because I've read enough fantasy stories where there's romance kind of at the forefront to understand that whenever the main characters get together in the first book, there's going to be a conflict and it's always a secret, like whether it's a secret identity, like you're aiding the enemy. It's always kind of the same thing that if you get together in the first book, there has to be this like life altering secret that it's about the relationship it's never even like oh they got kidnapped and we're Mm -hmm. parted it's always that so i'm like okay zayden's keeping a secret because i saw it coming maybe i was just like violet this is not that bad the the thing is though is like he didn't lie to her because there were a lot of scenes where she would catch him coming back from being wherever with Mm -hmm. garrick and bodie She'd say, where were you? And he would tell her. Yeah. He says, I can't tell you why. But one of his main things is, though, because Dane has that power. So I'm like, yeah, Violet, it's not it has nothing to do with you. It's because protecting Dane's always touching your face. A hundred other people. Dane touches her face all the time. And she's not clocking it because she's not clocking that Dane is someone that would hurt her because his number one goal so far has been to protect her. So I, I understand. But it's just funny as a reader where you're like, come on, Violet, it's fine. But also we see a shift with Dane where he goes from my first priority is to protect you to my first priority is I love the rules. He, he is having a passionate love affair with the rule book. I feel like if we're getting into like a little theory moment that, you know, Violet's mom has been kind of the villain to Mm -hmm. Zayden and their group and you find out that she has one of these knives that kill the venom so you know that she knows about them I think that the real villain here is Mr. Atos Dane's dad because he's the one that when you interact with him he's nicer to Violet like Violet's mom kind of ignores her Mm -hmm. and is very you know proper and cordial with her and just apathetic almost Mr. Atos Commander Atos whatever he is he is nice which I immediately clock that. I'm like, that, <laughs> that I feel like there's a little switcheroo here. And because Dane is so about the rules, that has to come from somewhere. That to me is something that he would have been raised in. That's just a weird thing to pick up if you're not brought up with that hardcore value because he is so intense about the rules. And like, that has to be something that his father really instilled in him. And I'm, I'm almost wondering too if her mom is on the inside, like, taken him down from the inside kind of thing because 
Violet's whole life, she was okay with her daughter being a scribe. It might have not been ideal, but like she was okay with that. Her husband was a scribe and you can tell she's loved Violet's dad. She's okay with it. It's not until six months until she has to go to the scribes quadrant that she says, no, actually you're going to the writers. Mm -hmm. So I feel like something changed and I don't know what, where all of a sudden she didn't want Violet in the scribes and maybe it's because she knows that if she's in the scribes, Violet can't get out. I don't know. I just feel like there's something going on with that because that just strikes me as slightly weird behavior. I'm even wondering if she knows that Brennan is alive. Hi, it's me. It's Brennan. It's Brennan. (laughs) (laughs) Which we'll talk about more about that in a couple minutes. But also her name is Lilith. And if anyone knows anything about like biblical Lilith and mythology Lilith, there's just that's a female figure that's greatly misunderstood. And also with Violet having her gray hair, I did maybe wonder if that has something to do with the venom because we find out that Violet, her mom was sick when she was pregnant. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's attributed that she has these issues with her ligaments, that she has the half gray hair. And because the venom suck magic from the land, I'm partly wondering if maybe her mom was attacked while she was pregnant. I fully believe that her father did not die of natural causes. Yeah. I don't quite know what I think about Violet's mom. Because knowing Violet and what her mother thought of her, the chances of her surviving Mm -hmm. the parapet, let alone anything else, were very, very slim. I really do buy into the fact that she didn't want her in the scribes Mm -hmm. because I think she would have been really dangerous in the scribes because her father was in there. She was training for this. And Violet's a smart girl. And if you have cover-ups going on, which you know Zayden holds some more information that we haven't gotten that he has other reasons to really hate Violet's mother. Yeah. We didn't get an answer to that in this book. I'm guessing that she was the one that put all those marks on his back. I think she did something really horrible to his mother. Yeah. Because he won't talk about that. I just think one way or another, there is something more going on with Violet's mom. Mm -hmm. I'm not even saying that she would be good. It's like sometimes you have to do bad things to look like you're playing the part kind of thing. Or maybe she's even worse, but there's just something suspicious to me of you were okay with Violet being a scribe for her whole life, you know, until she's 20 years old. Then all of a sudden it's, no, you got to go be a writer. Something in my mind just feels like that there's more to that. And there's something more to Violet having the gray hair. Yeah. Which I'm really excited to to learn all about that stuff. Yeah. The final battle, and I I don't necessarily think we need to talk about (laughs) everything that's going on, but I did make a list of the times in this book that I got misty-eyed. Liam's death. I got really emotional with Liam's death. It might be the worst thing that's ever happened because not only is it Liam's death, but it's his dragon's death. I genuinely don't know what the worst part about it was because I love Liam. Liam was Mm -hmm. one of my favorite characters. He's just a good, sweet guy. Great heart. Him and Violet have this friendship by the end that's really sweet. Like, he saves her, she saves him. And he's always with her. So you really you get to know him better than a lot of the other characters. He doesn't make it out of this battle. No, the venom, it's too much. His dragon is getting taken down. Mm -hmm. So his dragon dies. And Violet's able to save him as the dragon's going down. But because the dragon dies... Liam, he starts, he, he starts dying and it's it's pretty quick. I think there's only a couple minutes. It was horrible because I'm like hearing the dragon screeching and yep. I'm very sensitive. Like Megan knows I will not watch animal movies because I cannot handle 
animals getting hurt. I cannot handle them dying. I don't care that I technically know that they live on camera, <laughs> that these are just little actor animals. I, I physically cannot do it. It makes me ill. I think the worst part of things like that, it is the sound because even in the scene where Jack dies, his dragon mourns him yeah. and calls out and cries. And so the Which fact, made me ill. Yeah, the fact that Liam's dragon goes down and then Liam starts fading and they're racing to get him to his dragon because he yeah. wants to die with his with, dragon. And like Violet trying to carry him, that like made me ill. Yeah. <laughs> I was just ill the entire time of Violet trying to carry him, but she can't because he's huge. The idea of like she's trying hard, she's wounded, you know, like mm-hmm. she's had her own battle and she's tired and she just physically can't take him. And then Zayden comes in and you're feeling Zayden mourning him because Zayden and Liam grew up in the foster home for a couple years together yeah. and they're good friends. You're feeling Zayden mourning and Zayden's a character that you're not always privy to how sensitive and emotional he is. And this is a moment where you're just really this man that has this tough exterior mm-hmm. who's protecting. He has these scars on his back that he's taken for all of those kids to protect them. Like he sacrificed so much and you're just feeling his pure grief. It's like, oh my yeah, God. When, when she hears his cry through their telepathic oh, mm-hmm. connection, that ripped my heart out. That scene was just, you're still in the middle of a battle while this is yeah, happening. Yeah, this is the end of the battle. They don't even have time to properly mourn him yeah which in itself is just a horrible horrible thing i saw some fan art of it and it made me want to throw up <laughs> because it's so upsetting <laughs> uh, nobody does fan art like the fantasy girlies of the world the fan art that has come out and i didn't look at any until i finished the book because i didn't want any accidental spoilers yeah but there's some fan art of liam just like bleeding on his dragon i'm like oh my god jail jail to everyone involved i mean in this. i'm i'm really glad that we didn't have a lot of time to linger on it because it would have been too upsetting that the stakes were so high at the moment so violet and zayden have to go their separate ways and try to bring the venom down or else they're all dead yeah and they figure out thanks to liam it's like this is he figured this out and this is his last gift basically is that the venom are tied to the wyvern so if you take down the venom it's the inverse of you know if you take down the dragon you take down the writer it's actually you take down the venom and then they're tied to multiple wyverns so violet god bless her she goes is able to take one out but she gets gravely injured in the process and she falls off tarn and then it's andarna that comes in and she slows time so that she doesn't fall to her death and that just well made me want to cry i do want to touch on a couple details because i want to talk about that last chapter before she falls she gets stabbed with the poisoned blade Mm -hmm. and then she almost burns herself out if not maybe burns herself out Mm -hmm. with her power so she survives and then you catch glimpses before the chapter ends of her coming in and out of consciousness and then the final chapter comes from zayden's point of view zayden's perspective that entire chapter i was just baring my teeth because i just i just didn't know how to feel about anything that was happening in that chapter because she wakes up again. This is all from Zayden's perspective. He says the poison had spread to your brain by the time we got you here. There were so many things running through my head because I thought she was going to become a venom, mm-hmm. and maybe there's going to be something with that maybe. down the road. I was almost expecting her to wake up because she seemed at first not angry at him. Mm-hmm. It took her a minute to remember everything. Then she was still pulling away from him. But she wasn't angry. She's like, I'm with you. I'll join in with you and your cause. And so I'm like, is she 
possessed by something. Like I thought she was going to turn around and stab him or do something shocking, (laughs) like do something shocking and the book was going to end. I still don't know how, like that chapter really unnerved me. Like I don't know what's going on there. That's why I think there might be something with her gray hair because Mm -hmm. I'm thinking maybe if she was attacked by a venom. I mean, we don't even know if technically anything happened to her mom at all mm-hmm. when she was pregnant. That could just be a story. So I'm thinking that there's something with her gray hair and the venom, and maybe that's why the poison mm-hmm. didn't kill her or have, as of now, what we kind of think that she's fine. Maybe that won't be the case in the second I, book. I'm but. sorry. If they're saying the poison went to her brain, yeah. something's wrong. Or maybe it's not even wrong. It's just something's different. Yeah. So Some, I'm thinking something's changed. Maybe if she's been exposed to the venom before, maybe it doesn't have as strong of a hold. Maybe she was poisoned with that before and they were able to stop it before it got to her brain so maybe it's almost like she's been exposed to it this whole time maybe she's a hybrid venom baby <laughs> maybe Lilith Thorngale she had a little she knew about the she knew about the evil wizards maybe she's doing some undercover work maybe she had to sleep her way to the top who knows but then everything seems fine right at the very end the last line of the book <laughs> Who comes in but Big Brother Brennan? It's me. It's Brennan. It's Brennan. All I can think about with that scene is Plutarch, Heavens B, and Hunger Games going, this is the revolution, (laughs) and you are the Mockingjay. (laughs) Yeah, Brennan's like, welcome to the revolution, little sister. And my first thought when that happened was, you know, they had a tiff about keeping secrets. I just feel like this is the secret that would be the upsetting one because it's the worst secret you could possibly being, imagine being in Zayden's head. He's like, it's fine. I'm going to win her back. She gets it. Like, he's just really not worried about winning her back. I don't think I'm just there. Like, why do you think that keeping her brother a secret and his his being alive a secret five years is going to be less upsetting to her than the Venon Griffin Rider secret? That's not going to work in your favor, my friend. It literally made me laugh. I love that that was how they ended the book. Yeah, it's a great cliffhanger. But it also just made me chuckle because it's like, you couldn't have mentioned this, but I mean, you you know why he can't say it because of Dane. That's why Dane is the problem. If Dane didn't have his ability... I think he would have shared a lot more with her, yeah. but he couldn't take well, the risk. And I think Brennan being alive opens a lot of doors to a lot of questions about, mm-hmm. I bet Brennan told Zayden all about Violet before they met. So maybe Zayden was already kind of interested in Violet before, if you're hearing all these stories, or maybe, I don't know, I think you have to ask, because Zayden is presented to us as, oh, I'm going to kill you because of your mom. But obviously, that's just not the case. If he's mm-hmm. friends with Brennan... Because he says he's friends with him. He knows a good poison master or a better one than Violet. That means that he's known Brennan probably since Brennan died, if not beforehand. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't know that timeline yet. So Violet was never in danger from Zayden for that specific reason alone. I, I would make that assumption. And then I think you have to ask, does the mom know? I don't think Mira knows. I don't think Mira knows. I think it really pulls into question the morality of Lilla Sorengale if Brennan is actively in a position that would be against her. So I think that aspect doesn't bode well for her mother having good intentions. Mm -hmm. But unless she has a child on the inside, 
who's doing the revolutionary work. I'm not saying she is. Maybe she is like completely evil. I just kind of like it when there's that that switcheroo. Oh, I do too. I I like to be surprised. I definitely stick to Daddy Atos is evil because I think whenever it's like, oh, he's the nice, reasonable one. It's like, no, he's not. Atos just isn't as threatening. And I'm like, that probably means you're the worst one. But yeah, I'm like, um, Zayden, I think Violet's going to be a little bit more upset about her brother that she's been mourning for five years actually being alive and you knowing it the whole time. I think this is going to be the point of contention in your relationship (laughs) in the next book. Sorry to say, my friend, I'm rooting for you guys. However, it's Brennan. Um, Something I do want to just bring up. Um, Dragon love scenes. I I think it's hilarious. I love that. The dragons scale and tarn specifically i love that they have this loving healthy relationship Mm -hmm. they have been together for god knows how long and their sex life is amazing their sex life is amazing they never stay too far away from each other have great communication they have great communication they always make sure that the other's writer has their back Mm -hmm. they trust each other to go do their own thing yeah they're the healthiest relationship i've ever seen in a book probably yeah and the reason that he showed up when Violet was in trouble was because Scale likes Andarna mm-hmm. and wanted to protect her. And so she called her man in to help yeah. because she couldn't because of Zayden. Mm-hmm. Like she can't interfere. Yeah. So she called her man in and he came. Yeah. That's so nice. That is so nice. I just love that. Like it was really nice to see a solid relationship mm-hmm. represented in the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the relationship we all aspire to have. <laughs> Boy, do Violet and Zayden feel that. I mean, I think it's hilarious when she's feeling lusty and mm-hmm. she is looking at Liam and she's like, I can't yeah. have sex with Liam. <laughs> I know, because Liam's also hot. Because he's so cute. And she, but she's like, I can't. She runs out and like Zayden's like smoking what's the equivalent of a joint. Yeah. <laughs> he's to, like, to drown like, out the dragon he's like, sex. That's he's like, they do head. this all the time. So I'm stoned. <laughs> all the time <laughs> and that's when they you know kiss and he's like no he can't which i appreciate the consent piece of that yeah of, i do too you know this is questionable even if the sex of the dragons faded and now it's really them there's just kind of questionable stuff mm-hmm. so i appreciate the consent and speaking of kissing i just want to say that violet and zayden love to kiss they love a kissy kissy there was a lot of talk of kissing and i thought that that was hilarious that it was always like oh i just can't wait to kiss him again in their sex scenes even mm-hmm. it was like he kissed me like he never kissed me he's kissing me like this now is like kiss 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 i love that they love to kiss and i thought it was hilarious and i like that like with the dragons having sex and it affecting them that like whenever we're in this magic world where there's romance and people have powers i like it when the powers are in the sex scenes mm-hmm. in whatever degree is appropriate for it to be in so with her lo- with her losing control it's like that would be losing control of your powers too so i thought it was funny with mm-hmm. the lightning coming in and destroying things and he has to use his shadows to shield the glass and- she lights the curtains on fire she lights trees on fire outside during the sex scene when she goes to his room mm-hmm. and they're in the middle of it and then I think it's Garrick comes and knocks on the door. He says, you guys need to get out here right now and Zayden says, I swear to God, you better have like a good reason for getting me out of this bed and he- <laughs> and Garrick says, well, there's a lot of people dead so you might want to, you know, hurry up. I for a minute thought that sh- that was her. She's just lighting she, people on fire, because, like, like killing people with lightning. She was in the zone yeah. and there was a party outside. I thought yeah. maybe that 
her power like oh my god <laughs> killed, killed a bunch of people at the party and i was like wow this is gonna take an interesting twist <laughs> your vagina kills <laughs> but i i loved that i loved that dynamic and something i was really really grateful that they didn't linger too long in because i personally don't like this trope with mm. romance when Zayden is like, you can't fall for me. Mm-hmm. When they do the talk about, I'm not what you want. We can't fall for each other. We, we've made out. We've had sex. And like, clearly, we want each other. Yeah. We clearly love each other. We're clearly in this together for the rest of our goddamn lives. No matter what we do, you're always going to be in my life. He's like, we can't fall for each other. I'm not going to fall for you. You're not yeah. going to fall for me. I hate that. I think that's so obnoxious. So I was so happy that that was very short-lived. Yeah. I really liked her agency where she's like, you can't tell me how to feel. Yeah. You can participate (laughs) or not in this relationship, but you can't tell me to not have feelings for you because that's my business. This is the first time in fantasy where, (laughs) well, out of what I've read, I've not read every book ever. But this is the first time I feel like I've read a female main character in a romance fantasy genre where she just has, it's like that modern mindset mm-hmm. of vibes. Vibes is used a couple of times, which is funny. <laughs> um, again, not traditional high fantasy where she is like, well, I hate him, but he's really hot and it is what it is. And I want to sleep with him. Like she usually it's always like, I hate him. And they're kind of not acknowledging the fact that they're attracted to them Mm -hmm. and they hate him. And then it turns into, you know, I really like him and I'm going to tell him. And I don't believe him when he tells me that he doesn't like me, where in another book, it would probably be like she gets mad and that doesn't sleep with him again or doesn't pursue him because she has her feelings mm-hmm. hurt. And she's like, no, I just don't believe it. I feel like you're just a little scared to have your heart broken. She's just very consistent because they sleep together. And then I think they don't sleep together again for like another month or yeah. two. The book moves at a pretty quick clip of time jumps. She's just very vocal about the fact that she wants him on a lot of levels And it's just funny to have that more modern conversation between them, which (laughs) but she knows herself. She knows herself and she's so much more mature and it's very in line with Violet. It's very consistent with who she is because from the beginning, she's she is very honest in her dialogue Mm -hmm. and a lot of times in these stories. There's things that are hidden or, you know, whatever, just for the sake of storytelling, but she's very upfront about how she feels about everything Mm -hmm. in her mind like there's no mystery about what violet is thinking from the reader yeah and i personally don't love an excess of games in these stories and i really loved this book Mm -hmm. because it had the romance element to it and then it had all of the other things which made the romance more compelling but I liked that she wasn't afraid to push him because of what she says, which is everything that you do mm-hmm. tells me that you love me. This isn't like a Dane energy yeah. where it's wishful thinking. This And it is sad because when Violet finally kisses Dane, she's like, ah, oh, and that was the moment I realized there's <sighs> nothing here. She's like, this was like kissing my brother. This is gross. You definitely know that that's coming from the second she describes Zayden's arms. The most exquisite man I have ever seen. And when we meet Dane, it's like, 
that we just met the most exquisite man she's ever seen, so you have no chance here. And he's very cute. He's very mm-hmm. attractive. Yeah. It's not that. It's not that. But yeah, I love that Zayden and Violet love to kiss. <laughs> I think there was just something like kind of innocent about their mm-hmm. romance in a way. Like in such a harsh world, it was kind of a funny contrast to see that, you know, they, they get giddy when they're making out yeah. and they're just kind of having... I mean, just even the conversation where they're in class and they're in each other's minds going back and forth and she's pushing. Like, I think there's a little bit of like a juvenile, mm-hmm. you know, aspect to that of you can't just... It softens just... him. He is a softy deep yeah. down. I mean, he's tough and harsh for a reason for mm-hmm. not only all of his trauma, but the fact that he's responsible for the 107 kids. He is angsty. But he has a reason to be angsty. Yeah, I really enjoyed their romance. I, I like that, like, at one point, he was just very resistant to her. And then, like, the chapter changed. And he's like, okay, yeah, I like you. Yeah. I think he just reached his breaking point of, like, I just can't. There was, like, no transition. It was like, no, no, like, I don't care about anything that you do. I'm just keeping you alive. And then he's like, actually, I really want to make out with you. Yeah. I really want to play fight on the little mat and show you how to take my knives and then maybe we move this from the mat to my bedroom. Like just very quickly that's just, that shift happened. It's like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of Downton Abbey where you have two seasons of maybe, no, we can't. And then that last episode, the last 15 minutes is like, well, I think you've lived your life and I've lived my life. So let's just do it. Let's just get married. <laughs> But, you know, I just, I really loved this book. I really loved Zayden. Yeah. I loved Violet. She was yeah. really a character that I could get behind and root for. A lot of times characters get put into kind of the extreme categories. Mm-hmm. And she just was very, I mean, she has her moments because she's a human being and she's emotional, obviously. But, like, everything tracks. Mm-hmm. You see how she gets to the conclusions that she gets to. She had very realistic responses yeah and i think most people can find at least some aspect of her to relate to again coming in with being the underdog but not in a but not in an extreme way because she also comes in having grown up there so she has an edge in many ways and i like that she's a little shady i love that she poisons people like she does what she has to do she definitely has the courage the bravery Mm -hmm. the intellect everything that you want out of a heroine in this genre yeah. And again, something I was grateful for in this one is when she does find out Zayden's truth mm-hmm. about what he's doing, does come around and see mm-hmm. all of the clues lining up pretty quickly. Yeah. Because again, to me, I don't like it as a reader when a lot of this stuff I think is kind of obvious, just the characters not mm-hmm. interpreting it that way. And then they hold a grudge yeah forever yeah because she's like i just kind of don't trust you right now like i'm not even that mad but like it just is what it is yeah <laughs> it's like that's so real she's like i have bigger things to worry about right now like i'm trying to stay alive trying to keep my dragon alive you lied to me i gave you my heart i'm i understand why i told she's like i totally empathize <laughs> totally get it however i just don't like it and i think that's so fair <laughs> i mean i think she's gonna be distracted with the fact that her brother is alive i, th- I think that if anything bit. that's gonna be the anger inducing moment because yeah that's i mean and zayden says that he's not afraid to work for her trust back that he's going to take the time so i think they're going to get there obviously but i really really loved her as a heroine i really backed her Mm -hmm. and i know we didn't really talk a lot about her but i really liked rhiannon as well i yeah i really loved that friendship (laughs) 
I won't lie. I was really nervous like the first half of the book because I thought maybe Rhiannon was actually not a good person mm. because she was so nice. Yeah. And her sister told her, don't go in and make friends, mm-hmm. make alliances. And so, of course, she makes friends with her almost immediately. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, oh, I swear to God, if Rhiannon turns around and then pushes her off of a cliff or something, you know, backstabs her at the right moment in a critical period of time, I was going to be so pissed because I really liked her. I really like their friendship and I want more of them. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to be enemies. So at least in this book, I was glad that it just never went there. Yeah. Well, before we end, do you have any predictions for the next book i have one that i think might happen which is liam did ask violet to look after his sister yes and you know she's in the revolution now however she's still commander Sorengale's daughter and i'm wondering if she's gonna go back to the college to find liam's sister but also kind of work from the inside and bring things down from the inside maybe not the whole book but i'm just wondering because Mm -hmm. liam did ask and she promised yep and she could make the argument that she was you know like kidnapped by zayden she's the only one that isn't marked Mm -hmm. and so i'm thinking they they might send her back as kind of like the emissary to get in there maybe they'll have information for her to get or whatever it is grab liam's sister i think that will probably be a part of it yeah i made the same assumption and i think or I think my take on it would be that she's definitely going to go back for Sloan. And I kind of assume that obviously Brennan is going to fill her in. I think she's going to believe We're going to get a Brennan. lot of answers. We're going to get a lot of answers. I kind of imagine her going back and being put in one of the command positions, mm. how Dane was. And I almost imagine her playing the game with Dane. Yeah. Going back and saying, you were right about Zayden because she has all of that to use as a truthful lie. Mm-hmm. You know, you were right. This is what happened. I'm sorry. It's just, it gets crazy because our dragons are, yeah. you know, mates. I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice. And I think she's going to be an agent for them. But yeah. I picture her going back, being in a command position. So you do get her looking after Sloan, maybe watching everyone else come in. But things are going to change at the college. Mm -hmm. It's going to be different because now things on the outside are happening. So they're going to start changing the way that they do things because now we've seen the norm. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see how it shifts. And I think they're also going to start using the cadets earlier. I think they're going to start recruiting them into battle earlier. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe there's going to be a battle and Violet's going to have to choose whether to keep up the facade or to you know go fight where she where her heart is and i think dane's gonna die i think like i think dane is gonna be on the wrong side and maybe there'll be a moment do you think he's gonna die in the next book though i don't know about the next book but i I think in general where it's either she's gonna have to kill him or god i hope so maybe he has a moment where he chooses her side and he die you know i think that i think his death is going to come in to play somehow but i'm also really curious to see where his character goes because i could see him also rising in the ranks mm-hmm. and not being a good person to yeah. really leaning into these are the rules this is the love of my life the codex <laughs> <laughs> it's like i will marry the codex i love the codex 
Um, and being true to that because it's the one thing he can rely on in his head because he's so shocked when I think it's Amber is executed because she went against one of the rules. Like he's shocked. He can't imagine it. He's willing he's like, to she's not a, believe her at all. She's a section leader. She could never go against the rules. That's literally impossible. And that's when Violet's like, you just accused Zayden of doing the same thing. And yeah. Being leader. So like his moral compass it's very rigid but it also has no logic as moral compasses like that often just don't i think he's gonna just come to a breaking point one way or the other with it i think he's either gonna rise the ranks and become a worse person or he's gonna really struggle with the weight of what is true what isn't true Mm -hmm. i just see a crumbling of him eventually leading to his death good that's what i call justice So it happens when you're on the Dunzo list. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's something I just don't see a redemption arc there. Yeah. Just maybe, because I mean, maybe we'll be surprised. I kind of don't want to be. <laughs> I'm sick of him. He needs to he needs to get the hell out of this book. <laughs> and luckily, the book, the second book in the series is coming out in November. So only a couple months to wait. Luckily, it's not a year and a half, two years as some of these books yeah. are, which oh, that's just rough when that's the case. So we will be doing the second book over on our Patreon, which our Patreon is our book series podcast. So please become a patron because we are going to dive into book series. And the first book series that we are going to tackle will be guitar because of course you are just a human in the world that reads books you have to be aware of sarah j mass and we thought it would just be a fun place to start because guitar is one of those that it did introduce a lot of people to fantasy and romantic fantasy during the pandemic during the rise mm-hmm. of book talk that this is one of those books that like when we were kids and they talked about how harry potter got kids back into reading i think that guitar is one of those series that got a lot of teenagers young adults and older adults Mm -hmm. back into reading i was one of them i was one of those people that i've always loved reading but i was on one of those nonfiction kicks for a couple years and i hadn't read anything that you know just gave me the sense of joy in reading and one day i saw someone on book talk talking about it and i thought oh i'll go to the bookstore and see it and it was one of those moments where i'm at the bookstore i didn't even know what the cover looked like so i'm looking around and I stop and I look it up on my phone and then I look up and it's literally on the shelf right in front <laughs> of my face. For you. It was one of those like divine <laughs> synchronicity moments. And that is what jumpstart me into reading again. If I didn't jumpstart into reading the way I did, I don't know if I'd be writing a book right now. Let alone a romance book. Let alone a romance book. So we thought that that would just be a really fun place to start. And because Crescent City will be coming out in January, the third Crescent City, thought it'd be fun just to kind of do some Sarah Jane mass leading up to one of her probably biggest releases if not the biggest mm-hmm. release thanks to book talk but again our patreon we'll be getting into series we'll start with akatar when the next fourth wing book comes out which i think it's called iron flame i think that's been announced we will be doing that over there and as any other series comes up we'll always start with the first book on this podcast and continue into the second third fourth fifth however seventh thirteenth (laughs) thirtieth book of that series over on our patreon so if you are wanting to read these series with us and or if you've already read them and you just want to come along like we're so excited to talk about them and Obviously, if there are any TV shows or miniseries that are adapted from the series that we talk about, we're also going to be talking about those as well. Because how how can we not 
So come and join us. Sign up to be a patron with our Patreon-only podcast. The details to that will be in the show notes, so you can easily find it. We're going to have so much fun. I am hungry for more. I always just want more, 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 more. Mm -hmm. So I am partial to series. And so I'm very excited to jump in. And if you want to keep up to date on the books we're reading on this podcast, as well as the one on Patreon, check out our socials, our TikTok, our Instagram. That will be linked also in the show notes. We definitely want to hear feedback from you guys on the books that we are reading, the ones we will in the future. If you have recommendations, remember, we are only reading books that are written by women with female protagonists. So that is the only barometer it can be any genre, any length. It can be a series because we're doing the series. If you have any recommendations, we want to hear them. What are your hot takes? Yes, yeah, send these us stories? some hot takes. Like we and we really want to be able to share all of this too yeah. with our community. So please send in your opinions, your likes, your dislikes. What gets you excited about some of the things that we're reading, or what are the book series or standalone books for our regular podcast that just make you excited to be a reader? Yeah. Like what really lights you up? Again, no matter the genre. No matter if it's a classic or if it's a new release. We just love reading. So whatever you have to recommend, we want to hear it. All right. So that was just such a fun, fun book to read. Fourth wing, thumbs up. Dane, thumbs down. Zayden, 50 thumbs up. (laughs) I'm so glad that Dragon Mate's love conquers all. Oh, God. That's the only takeaway from this book. It is the only takeaway. So join us on our Patreon and join us again right here uh, next week for the Mexican Gothic. This is going to be so, so fun. Yeah. So until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.